First week was stop making excuses. And Pastor J.W. talked about how in our life, lots of times we find ourselves making excuses for everything. Why we don't have a, a happy life and why we can't do the things God called us to get, do. We have a million excuses. So we talked about that. Next week he talked about stop complaining. And I'm not as brave as him, so I'm not going to talk to you all about that today. Um, he also talked about stop last week, um, a, powerful, a powerful word of stop living in fear that we all can relate to. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about um, stop comparing. To stop comparing, and it, it's something we all at times can be guilty of. And we find ourselves doing it probably most of us on a daily basis, even when we don't recognize that we're doing it. We can compare our possessions and our appearances and performance and circumstance. We always want to look at someone else's what looks like a perfect life and compare what we have to that or what we do not have toward that. And, and, and there's so many things that can be, can be toxic with that and, and into our spirit when we try and constantly looking at what others have or constantly looking at what we don't have, it, it, it really damages our spiritual walk. And we're going to talk about three different ways that that does that. And the first one is compare, or comparison is the death of contentment. And what does that mean? <clears throat> to have a content life, to have a, a life where we are, are, are proud of or that we are happy with, to be content when you compare is the death of contentment. Second Corinthians 10 and 12 says this. But we don't worry, we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are not only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement, how ignorant. One of the first thing I like about this is, it says we wouldn't dare. And, and to use that word, dare, like that, I think about as a kid, your mom might tell you, say, don't do that. And you might listen and you might not. But if your mom looked at you, or at least in my case, when my mom looked at me, and she said, don't you dare. Don't you dare. There was something different about that. There was more authority. There was more purpose behind that. There was, there was something that with my mom that made me shake a little bit. I knew that there was going to be consequences. There was going to be something that was really going to happen if I did that. So he's really using this strong word and using this, this to show you we would never, ever, ever, ever would we want to compare ourselves to these people. Since they use themselves to measure themselves and, and then the, the ones that are just like them, they measure by them as well. And actually this morning, I didn't get a chance to write it down or anything, but as I was on Instagram, I seen Toby Mack had made a uh, a quote that said, you should never measure yourself with someone else's ruler or something along those lines. Meaning that, that we cannot look at other people's lives. Paul understood that success wasn't being superior to others. And lots of times that's what we are taught. The more successful you are, the, the, the higher up you are, is, is what's considered success, meaning you are above other people, you are richer than other people, or you are more attractive than other people. That's what sets you apart. That's what makes you success. But in fact, and a key thought this morning is, 
Success is about being who God wants you to be, not who you wish you were. I'm gonna read that again. Success is about being who God wants you to be and not who you wish, wish you were. This morning we find ourselves lots of times wishing we were somebody else. And, and, and something I deal with and something that I, I have, have felt like in, in times past that it's almost like I can, I can insult God because who made us, right? Who, who gave us the characteristics and the, and the things in our lives and, the, and our personality was God. So when we wish that we were somebody else, when we wish that we had other uh, characteristics and other gifts and other talents that we don't necessarily have, that's meaning we're, we're wishing we're not what God made us to be. Me and Brittany uh, started watching a show and I made it to two episodes. Uh, we stopped watching it for more than one reason. One, it was stupid. And two, I found that it made myself and even more so her compare. And it was um, fixer-uppers. Okay, first of all, it's stupid because you have like a janitor of a school that has a budget of a million dollars for their home. But then on top of that, they have all these things and you see these houses that kind of look like this place. Remember how this place used to look before we fixed it up? And they say, if you could just see the end picture, if you could just see what it's gonna be like, and then they come back and they have this show home, right? They have this house that is gorgeous, and then we find ourselves in our two-bedroom house in Greenup, looking around and things that we didn't realize. Well, that, that paint right there is chipped and my dog has jumped on my door and there's scrapes now on the paint and there's dirty footprints and there's all these things that you start realizing now by comparing and looking and wanting and desiring something that you don't have comparing to what others now have, you look at your own life and your own circumstance and you don't think it's good enough, right? You find yourself, you find yourself not being content with what you have, meaning that comparing is the death of contentment. And we do that not only, you know, it's okay, it's okay to do these things, it's okay to want more, it's okay to, to strive to have better, but when it consumes you, and that's all you want, and, that's, and you're not happy with your life. You know, there's situations, and there's been people that, that I've talked to in the past, and they look at the certain things, and they, they look at the way people's spouses treat them. Or they look at the way their other people's spouses look, and when they, they, they decide they wanna compare what they don't have, it causes problems in the marriage. Circumstances, we find ourselves looking and saying, okay, well, I, they have a better job or they have a better life than me and I have all these issues and all these problems and they don't have and these things going on with them. We look at that and we find ourselves being envious and jealousy because we compare. So therefore, comparison is the death of contentment. Now, I told a couple of them this morning, usually when I speak, I have about 20 slides, give or take, of, of notes. And this morning I have 11, so we're either getting out here really early or I've learned how to really condense my notes, so we'll see how it goes. But number two this morning, comparison makes us prideful. 
We're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 18. And this is a story about a Pharisee. And those that are not really familiar what a Pharisee was, it, it was the leaders of the time. It was, it was actually kind of like a pastor, the leader of the church, but also they had a big influence on the community and in the government and, and just the way the, the world was ran then in, the, in Bible times. And Jesus is telling this story. In Luke 18, it says that the Pharisee went to pray and in the same place was a tax collector. And we know tax collectors was looked down upon. They was hated. People did not like him. And this is what the Pharisees did. It said that the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like, that, like everyone else. For I don't cheat and I don't sin and I don't commit adultery. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of all my income. Wow. We look at that as very arrogant, very rude. We gotta remember that tax collector was in a couple pews behind him. That person that he's talking about, that person he's calling out is there, right? So is it good that he doesn't cheat? Is it good that he doesn't sin? Yeah, absolutely. But by comparing himself to the people that do do these things, by comparing himself to those people, it made him prideful. So he's screaming these things out to let you know, hey, I'm a good guy. Hey, I do what the Bible tells me to do. I live this great life. I do everything I'm supposed to do. I'm so much better than you are. Now, you might sit there and think, I don't do that. And when I was first studying this, I was thinking, I don't really do that. But then I started kind of thinking about certain things, and we, we, we find ourselves that sometimes we might actually do this thing and not even realize that we're doing it. One example I thought of, and please don't judge me, and I don't, let me first off start out by saying, I don't work in kids' church, so don't, uh, don't judge our kids' department on this story, okay? <clears throat> I have a hard time lots of times going to restaurants and going to Walmart and hearing a kid screaming, melting down on the floor, kicking, I want this toy, or they have Coke and I want Pepsi, you know. These things that you hear kids do that they throw fits for no reason, okay? I'm also, let me start off by saying, I don't have kids, okay? I am not a parent. So I understand that there's things that I don't understand. And, uh, but I am one of the first ones to look at Brittany while we're eating and say, oh my God, will they please shut up? <laughs> or say, hey, I have, I have a, a switch or, <laughs> just kidding. They can borrow my belt if they like, you know. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm so quick to judge and think, they would just discipline their kids. And I, I know I should not say things like this, and it probably will come back one day to bite me. But I always have the statement, my kids will never act that way. I hear the, ooh, oh, don't say that, God. But I have these, and, and, and listen, I understand there is some things that I, I really believe, and there's some things I have seen that I know my kids won't act that way or I will be in jail. But, but there's times I find myself judging 
those parents, right? And I'm not in their shoes. I don't, like I said, I don't have kids. And even if that, every kid has a bad day, listen, I have enough nieces and nephews to tell you that, that some days they can be angels and then they're like Sour Patch Kids. One minute they're sweet and the next time they're sour. And it just can be a, a flip of the switch. But I am always finding myself lots of times judging those people. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if they would just do what they're supposed to do, if they would just be parents, if they would just discipline their kids, then what? They wouldn't act like that, right? Or another situation. And I'm not saying necessarily I do this, but I have been around people that do this. Sitting in a driveway or sitting in the parking lot, you see somebody over there puffing on a cigarette. God, I can't believe that. One of the, one of the phrases I hear, they're too pretty to smoke. That's, that's horrible to say. I mean, only ugly people can smoke. <laughs> but no, they, they say things like this, and, they, and you find yourself... Don't they know what they do to that, their health? Don't they know what they're doing? And all this is true. If you don't know, it's bad for you, okay? It's, it's not good for you. But we find ourselves, my Lord, this thing is bad. Why, don't they understand what they're doing to their health? And in the meantime, rolling down the window, yeah, I'll take the triple baconator <laughs> with a, a large fry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and put cheese and bacon on those fries. You know, we find ourselves doing these things, right? We find ourselves judging those for doing certain things and we're doing the same exact thing. We find ourselves being prideful and, and by comparison ourselves to what we think we do not do or what makes us better than others. We see other circumstances and we unrealistically judge one another because comparison makes us prideful. So just to catch up, comparison is the death of contentment, and comparison makes us prideful. The third point I have is comparison makes us resentful. To be resentful is such a ugly trait. It is so, it can truly control a person. I know people that has completely dictated their life because they are resentful over a situation. And last time I spoke to you guys, we talked about this story, and I'm going to use it again. Um, 1 Samuel 18, 6 and 9 says this. Let me get it on my trusted in the uh, app here. Y'all tell me if it gets up there before I find it. Okay. So this is the story of Saul and David, right? We talked about them last time. And we talked about how they was in battle. It says the victorious Israelites' army was returning home after David had killed the Philistines. Women all over the town of Israel came out to meet the king to meet King Saul, they sang a dance for the joy with their tambourines and cymbals. And this is what they said. Saul has killed his thousands, and then David had killed his ten thousands. So then if you read on to eight, it says, this made Saul very angry. What is this, he said. They credit David with ten thousand and make me with only a thousand. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye 
on David. And if you continue to study King Saul out, we realize this is one of the big turning points in his life, right? And if we wanted to sit back as a third party and kind of compare Saul and David's life, we would see that Saul was king. How much more of a glamorous life can you have? You are, in as far as authority goes, as far as riches go, as far as, as being the number one person God called and anointed him to be king, and these things, he looks all to the side because he allows resentment and jealousy and these things of what comparing himself to another person. He, he, that's exactly what he did to him. He found himself looking at one situation. And, and, and last time when I spoke on this, one thing we kind of forget about is that David would have never been able to get that 10,000 if it wasn't for who? Saul. Saul was one that had him come in and, and after, after he killed Goliath and, and had him be a part of his army and had him, brought him in to be a part of his kingdom and trusted David and loved David and they had this great relationship. God had placed David in Saul's life and because of resentment by comparing his circumstance and situation to David, that relationship was lost. And not only was the relationship lost. If we read on, he had, the Bible said he had a jealous eye from that day on to David, meaning he was out to destroy, out to kill, out to defeat David from then on. Another key thought, when we resent God's goodness in others' lives, we end up ignoring God's blessings in our own. We can't focus on both of those at one time. So when we decide to resent the blessings, when we resent so-and-so because he's a better minister or we resent so-and-so because they have more money or they're more successful in their job, when we spend our time doing these things, we are ignoring the fact of the blessings that God has put in your life. And everybody sitting in this, in this auditorium today can, cannot count the amount of blessings that is in your life. Amen? We know that God has blessed us tremendously. And by comparing ourselves to other people's circumstances and other people's lives, we are not focusing and being grateful and thankful for what God has done in our lives. So we find ourselves with these three things. We find ourselves comparing and having this resentment and not being content and being prideful, all these things come from comparing. So the next question we have, what time on, oh my God. Oh yeah, the church is gonna love me today. We find ourselves knowing and, and, and trying to find out how to overcome comparing. Because like I said, it's something we all do. And it's something that we, it's, it's sometimes just like second nature. We don't even realize we're doing it. But a couple of thoughts that I have, and if we are able to get these thoughts as a part of our life, if we are able to wrap our head around these things and make these two things as a part of our life and a part of our understanding and the way we think and the way we act, we can learn, and as I said, learn to stop comparing. 
Thought number one, we have to know what you have. Know what you have. That goes right back to not ignoring your blessings, the things that God has given you. That all just mean material things, right? Characteristics, talents, callings, gifts, things that, that make you who you are. Know what God has given you. By knowing these things, it's easier to be content. Philippians 4, 11 and 3, or 13 says this. And understand that Paul, when he was writing this, he was on house arrest. He was arrested, okay? So his, his life and his circumstance really wasn't that great. So says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever circumstance. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, <clears throat> whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives us strength. Very well-known scripture, right? We can do anything through Christ who gives us strength. If we go back to 12, if we can go back. It says, I have learned the secret. We gotta understand this is a learning process. It's not something that's gonna happen overnight that we're gonna stop comparing ourselves, that we're gonna find ourselves not necessarily content with our life, that we have to learn how to accept and to know who we are so we can overcome comparing. We have to learn to be content. It is a learning process. And how do we learn? By knowing and identifying Satan's lies. Knowing the, 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 the seeds that he plants in your mind of telling you that your life isn't good enough, that your marriage isn't good enough, that, you're, that you're, your parenting style is not good enough, that your calling and the things that you're doing in church isn't good enough, that your life in general, every circumstance, is not good enough. These are seeds and, and things and attacks from the enemy that we have to overcome and that we have to learn those lies. And how do we do that? How do we learn what Satan's lies is? By knowing the truth. And the truth is the word of God. By studying and knowing the promises and the words and, the, and the, the things that God has promised us as his children, right? Knowing what we have. And one of the greatest things you can know that you have is a, is a father in heaven that is fighting for you, that loves you and that created you and that, and that has made you exactly the person that you are that there is a purpose and a calling on your life that, that is so great that you can't even see. We must know what we have. And we must know who we have on our side. My dad, right out of high school, he joined um, the National Guard. And his plan and his thought and what he's seen his life being was gonna be career mil military. He was going to, I think, maybe even be in the um, military band. He played trombone and trumpet, and that was what he was planning on doing. And he went through basic training, and he went through all these things, and he was doing good, and something happened. A situation happened where somebody, uh, a superior, was lying on another soldier, saying something happened. My dad was a witness, another man was a witness, and they decided to lie on this young man and that other guy and my dad both stood up and told the truth. 
to try to save this person from, from getting in trouble. When it happened, my dad got discharged from the military. They took the superior's story over his. It was a big traumatic situation for him. You know, when you make that decision to serve your country to be feel rejected like that can really do damage to somebody. But he had to find a whole new idea what he thought his life was going to be was now crushed, and he had to find a way to be content with what he had. He had to find a way and learn to know who and what he had left and, and what God had given him and other gifts that, that was placed in his life and, and learn how to overcome this obstacle of feeling, excuse me, feeling rejected. If dad had never have learned how to overcome those things, never learned of what he had inside of him to go another direction, he would have been in the military or he could have went to do something different and never met my mom. He would have never had one awesome kid and three mediocre kids. <laughs> he would have never had the opportunity to pastor and minister the way he does and to touch the lives. I mean, my dad is a, a chaplain for um, Greenup County First Responders. He ministers to people and he, he touches lives that would have never, he would have never dreamed of doing these things. And it was because of the way that God had called his life to be. He wasn't meant necessarily to do the things he thought he wanted to do. Thought two, know who you are. We gotta know what we have, but we also have to know who we are. What we are, what we're not. When thinking about this, and I think I might have even shared this story either during a class to some of you all or to all of you all, but I'm not an athlete. I know the shock. But I'm not, an, I'm not an athlete. I never have been. My family was big on baseball. And JW's like here so I can say this. Baseball is boring, okay? Baseball is a boring sport. I like going to the games for the experience, and I can watch them there, but to watch them on TV, no thank you. But anyways, I decided my whole family was into baseball. My brother was playing. My sisters were playing softball. I'm going to sign up, and I'm going to play baseball. I was a kid. Should have never done it, okay? And I thought about digging out this picture to let you all see this picture, but as long as I live, no one will ever see this picture. It's me standing there in my Green Up Athletics shirt with my hat on, baseball pants, and my, me and my brother had got into a fight the night before picture day, so my glasses are broke, and half of this lens is covered in electrical tape. So that was my first baseball game was dressed like that, so my parents literally was sending me to the field to fail. And so they stick me out to outfield, okay? And sure enough, boom, first ball starts coming right my way. Stick my glove up in the air, it falls behind me. So when, I get, when it falls behind me, I look, and it had rained so much the day before that there is this puddle, and the ball is just floating around in this mud puddle. So instead of being like an athletic thought of jumping in there and getting, I'm like trying to lean in and get this ball without touching the water and not getting in, get my shoes wet, my pants wet. So I finally get the ball, I go to throw it. Well, now probably third base because by this point they're already almost home. And I go to throw it, and I'm like, all right, good job, Brandon. You threw it in. And everybody's screaming at me, hello, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. I did throw the ball, and I look, 
The ball was wet when I threw it. Instead of going forward, it went up and behind me. And I had no idea. And I'm just sitting there being proud of myself. And the ball is still directly behind me, back in the puddle. What should have been maybe a first base hit turned into a home run. From that moment on, I realized I don't have to be like my brother. I don't have to be uh, like the rest of my family and enjoy something that I'm not good at or something I don't even really like to be a part of. I had to know who I was and know that I had different gifts. And, and lots of times, hey, I'm my rough critic. and the most I, I'm, I'm harder on myself than anybody else, and I still struggle with trying to find out what am I good at. I think that's a daily struggle. That's a struggle that all of us lots of times find ourselves in is what are we truly good at? Who are we? And it really comes by searching out from God. You will not know who you truly are until you start asking God, the creator of you. You start realizing and stepping out on callings to realize, you know what? Yeah, I might not be this great speaker and I might not be this packing out places and this number one pastor in Kentucky, but God's given me the ability to stand up and talk to people and be comfortable with it. God has given me the ability to be a people person where I don't care to go talk to somebody and to build relationships within the church. Those are, are callings and things that, that God has given me that I know that I hold and that makes me who I am. And our identity in Christ is so important. We have to know who we are to be successful. Not just be successful in life, but to be happy and have that that we're all searching for, that happiness in our life. We have to know who we are and our identity in Christ is so important. It is, so, it is what teaches us the success by knowing that and grabbing a hold of knowing that we belong to the Father. Ephesians 2 and 10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which are a form, sorry, prepared that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. So what does that mean to be his workmanship? When someone makes something, they put detail into it. I've shared this story before, and a lot of you all, I've seen it, it's currently in my garage right now, uh, but I made a porch swing one time in high school, and it was my senior project, and it was, it's, it's a big old porch swing, but I remember I spent so much time on this thing because I wanted it to be perfect. And, and I wanted it to, i have done every detail, and I can go back and look at it, and I can see certain things in it that I maybe had messed up on her, I held the sander too long. And I, I see things that other people don't know because it belongs to me. I created that port swing. And I see people smiling at me, so let me tell you why it's in my garage. It broke. It was on the, uh, hanging up, we had a church get together, we are all sitting outside, and it fell down. So it's in the garage, not put up anymore at the current moment. But anyways, that's beside the point. We have... I know things about that, and I'm proud of that because, why? Because I knew that I put the time and the effort to make it for my family. It hung up at my mom and dad's for years, and when I got my own place, they let me bring it down here. It's something that I'm proud of because I created it as my workmanship, and God feels the same way about you. 
There's, there's things that God knows about you. There's things that, that is true about you that he only knows because he created you. You are his workmanship. We have to understand who we are, and by knowing who we are, we'll know who we never have to be. And how powerful is that? How powerful is it to know the person that you never have to be by knowing who you are? Quit trying to be something you're not and know who you are. Stop trying to produce certain gifts and and certain traits and characteristics and certain life that God never planted that seed for you to ever produce. We have to understand when we get aggravated and we get disappointed and we get, we get ourselves, or we find ourselves not enjoying life or we're, we're, we're depressed because our life's not going the way we want it to go, we have to understand that sometimes the reason why God's not allowing these things to produce is because he never planted it there in the first place. God's not allowing us to use certain tools or certain attributes in our life because he never gave us the ability to use those in the first place. Stop trying to be in somebody that you're not and know who you are. That was such a turning point in my life and in my ministry. When I decided that I was gonna know who I was and not who I had or, and, and realize who I didn't have to be. You know, we, I grew up in a, in a way, in a, in a, in a, a way of, of thinking, in a way of bringing up in that there was a certain way that you had to be as a minister. And listen, the Bible does, talk, obviously you have to be set apart, and I understand that. There's a, there's, there is things that you have to do as a minister that others might not have to do, but we have this idea that we had to be a certain way, act a certain way. I, I've told this story before. One of the first times that my grandfather heard me preach, he came up to me and said, that was some good teaching. And he made, uh, made a point to say teaching. And for those that don't understand, lots of times preaching and teaching, especially the old timers, is two different things. And now I find that as a compliment. It is, it is a compliment to me because there's so many times that I heard the word preached and, and, and yelled at me and, and, and talked to me and, and the, way the, of, of the way it was presented that I couldn't tell you a word that they said by the end of the service. And not just their style, but just the way that they have, have their, the mentality and the way that they brought forth the message and the things that they said really didn't feed into your life. But somebody that can teach you something, is, it, to me, is more valuable but at the time, it offended me because I knew his mindset. I knew, and my grandfather's a wonderful man. I'm not saying these things bad in a negative way, but it, it was one of those things that he, re- he wanted me to understand that I didn't fit the idea of what he thought was preaching. And I went to, through the steps of being ordained, and I went through the classes that we do in our denomination, and it was so beneficial to me. And I'm very thankful for the teachings and the, the things that I was taught in those classes and through those times of my life. But you see these people down there and you understand and they come in there with this cookie cutter kind of shape of, of ministry. And when I realized and I started feeling and started working in ministry and realized I didn't meet that cookie cutter style, that I didn't meet the same um, the same characteristics that they had, 
that I did not, to me, maybe I wasn't called. And I lived myself, or I lived in, in misery and in doubt and comparing myself to other ministers and my style of preaching with other people's, and I realized I did not have to be that. Because the reason when, and, and the way I found that out was by knowing who I am. By knowing who I am and the calling that was on my life and the things that God had placed in me, I realized I didn't have to be them. I did not have to do those things. I didn't have to act that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's who God made you to be. But that's not who God made me to be. And it was a huge, huge twisting and, 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 and influence on making me accept my calling and begin to do what I do today. So we must realize who we are. And we must stop that's, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very honored to end this because I think it's been such a powerful series. It's been such a, to show us to stop, take a moment. There's lots of times we talk about taking action and changing and, and we have to do those things. We do have to take action in our lives. But sometimes there's things that we just have to stop and realize that God has called us to do other things, that God wants us to do other things in our lives to take a moment and stop making excuses. To take a moment and stop complaining and to realize the blessings that we have on our lives. To take a moment and stop to realize those blessings and to realize those callings that's on your life. To realize not only what you have, but who you are. If you know Christ today, if you follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have the greatest gift in this world. We just talked about a while ago. I spoke on it. They sung about it. The love of God. You have that love. Anybody has that love. Sinner or, not, or sinner or Christian, that love is here. But accepting it, living by it, knowing who you are. We must stop looking to others' lives. Stop being someone that God never called us to be. We must stop comparing. I need, I just really want to drive that into you today that God made you. You are his workmanship. There's things that maybe about us that we need to change. That's something we believe in here, right? Get where there's always a next level. There is something always to improve on, but there's always there's those things that's inside of you that make you unique, that God had put in you. There's a scripture, and I don't have it, but everybody should, it's very well known. It says, before you was formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before he even made you, he knew who you was, and not just your name and who your parents was gonna be, but Later on it says, and I had called you, talking to Daniel, to preach to the nations. And we know by God's word that he's no respecter of persons. So by knowing Daniel and, and by creating him to do these things, to preach and to, to be anointed to touch people's lives, we know that he had a plan before he ever created him. That's the same with you and me today. God knew you before you was ever created. God knew you and had a purpose 
for you. And it's up to us to, to search, to pray, to ask, to seek God's face and know and find out for ourselves what, God, what is it that you created me for? God, what is it that, that I'm supposed to be doing? What is my calling? What is my gifts? What is my talent? God, I need you to direct me in the way that I'm supposed to go. God, let me be focused on you so I'm not looking to others, God. God, let me to, to focus upon you that way I can see what I'm supposed to be doing and, and not be distracted by other people's lives around me by comparing myself to their life, to their circumstance, to their success, or to their, to their marriage, or to whatever the situation may be that you find yourself looking at. God, help me to focus upon you because if I'm focusing on you, I don't have time to look anywhere else. Will you stand with me today? This morning, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray. I, I wanna give you the opportunity to, to, if you never accepted Christ, the first step on knowing who you are is to get to know the person that created you. And if you don't know the person that we're talking about, if you don't know God, if you've never accepted Christ in your life, in order to have this success that we talk about, in order to do every, even, not even just this sermon, but all the stops that we talked about, to stop making excuses, to stop complaining, to stop living in fear, the first step is to know who Jesus Christ is and to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. This morning, I want to give you that opportunity, but also just to take the time, whether it's at your seat whether it's up here, just to pray to God and say, God, we're all guilty of this, right? I, I mean, we all find ourselves comparing one way or another. We talk about this all the time in the teenage class when, when I help with the youth of, of not trying to be like everybody else. That we are called to be set apart and that, and that we don't have to look and act and be like everybody else, that God has created you for a reason. And my prayer today is that you find that reason. Even if you don't know what it is when you walk out this door, by being equipped and knowing the word and hearing the sermon today will encourage you to seek God's face, will encourage you to look after and find out what God has called you to do. God, we thank you, Lord. God, I ask that you just be with them today, God. Or lead and guide and direct them today. Or we know that you created us, God, and we believe your word, and we ask that you just show us our value today, God. Lord, I feel like there's so many people here today, God, that needs to know that they are valuable to you that we have value to you, that, that you created us with a purpose and a calling and that we matter, God. Lord, and so many times we find ourselves distracted and by comparing and looking at other people's lives, God, we feel like we don't matter, God, that there's no purpose in our life, God. But I, today, Lord, I ask that they leave here knowing they're valuable. They were head bowed and every eye closed. If you don't know Christ today 
and you say to me, Pastor Brandon, you want, I want to know this person. I want to be able to, to talk with God and to know this person you're describing today. I want to be able to find out who I am. And by finding out who I am and what I have, I have to know who created me. If that's you, will you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come to the front. Will you just raise your hand today? we thank you, Lord. I ask that you be with these people throughout the week, God. Help us, God, to stop and to wait on you, Lord. Help us to stop doing the things, God, that that hinder our relationship, not only with you, God, but with our loved ones, our co-workers, God. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this church and for this series, God, that that you have taught us that there's things in our lives that we must alter and there's things we must change in order to be the person and the Christian and the identity that you have for us, God. In order for that person to shine, there's things that we have to stop doing. And today, God, I pray for strength, for boldness, that as we go throughout our week, God, and, and from this week on forward, God, that you change our mindset, that you change the person that we are right now, God, and help us realize that we are yours, that you are our father and we are your kids and the benefits of being your child, God, is unlimited. Where we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, I I hope 